welcome back to the program. My name is William Hemsworth. It's great to be with you all this week. And I'm honored to have my guest this week, uh, Dr. Bruce Tallman. He's a spiritual director, uh, author, and he's the he's really the author of a great new book called God's Ecstatic Love. But since 2002, Dr. Tallman has been a full-time spiritual director and marriage coach in private practice. He's passionate about his mission, which is to help people grow in wisdom and love. Dr. Tallman, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks. Thanks you again for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. And how are you? No, I'm doing well. Um, as we talked before air, I got this nice sunburn yesterday. One of those nice yeah. winter days here in Tucson. I'm not trying to rub that in because I know you're in Canada. But <laughs> I, all, all morning, my kids have been making fun of me, you know, calling me lobster man and all kinds of other fun, fun <laughs> names. So, <laughs> but, you know, but so look, before we get into your book and all that, uh, I understand that you're a convert to Catholicism. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could go on for quite a while about this, but I'll try and keep it short. So I, I grew up in the United Church of Canada, okay. which is a very liberal church. My parents were very heavily involved. And uh, I left when I was 13 uh, and was just kind of in a spiritual no man's land for quite a while. Um, Billy Graham was coming to Winnipeg where I lived to do a crusade. And uh, my dad's boss was in charge of arranging this crusade. And so my father got uh, he set up a personal meeting with me and Billy Graham, just the two of us. Oh, wow. And at the end of the meeting, uh, I don't remember anything that was said. I only remember that at the very end, Billy stood up and he looked me in the eye and shook my hand and said, we are expecting great things from you. I mean, this is probably what he, this is probably what he says to every young man, right? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it scared the heck out of me. And so I pulled kind of a Jonah move. I, tr I tried to run away from God. And in fact, I wrote, a, I was in university, by then, and you know, I was taking sociology, and I wrote a sociology essay about how Billy Graham crusades manipulate people emotionally. And anyway, so then, and I was studying the theory of evolution. I kind of considered myself to be an atheist for quite a while, until I met my wife Grace, who was from a fundamentalist evangelical Mennonite background. And okay. the first year we you know, we we're just getting to know each other. And at Christmas, she gave me a Bible for a Christmas gift. And I thought, hmm, it's kind of a strange gift. Anyway, her parents didn't want her to marry me because I wasn't born again, you know, in their eyes. I was kind of a, like a pagan. And uh, so just to impress them, I, I decided I'd take a course on the Old Testament. And the professor was terrible, but you actually had to read the, open up the Bible and read it. And so I opened it up at Proverbs, started reading Proverbs. I was absolutely blown oh, wow. away by the wisdom in the Bible. And, you know, I just kept reading it and being amazed by it. And so I eventually was converted to Christ through the Bible. Uh, but then Grace and I were, we were attending a little church called the Church of the Way. It was started by a, uh, a law professor and a psychiatrist. And you know, then we moved to Toronto, and uh, I was, I, by that time, I decided to go back full-time into religious studies, and 
So I was working on my master's degree in religious studies and we found a church in Toronto called the Toronto United Mennonite Church. And we thought, well, this will be perfect. It'll be a combination of the United Church and the Mennonite Church. And, you know, but it was even more liberal than the United Church of Canada. It, it, I mean, God was kind of an embarrassment. Every second person had a PhD and they rarely talked about God. So, um, you know, we got up one Sunday morning and said, if we hear another secular sermon, like the sermons would be about defensive driving and things like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing to do with the gospel, really. Well, I mean, <laughs> very, very indirectly. Uh, you know, so we said to each other, if we hear another secular sermon, we're, we're out of this church, you know. And so the minister that morning started off his sermon by saying, well, this is just another secular sermon. <laughs> and we pretty we upfront there. <laughs> yeah. So we looked at it. We looked at each other and we just thought, okay, we're out of here. So then we tried the Baptist church and the Nazarenes. And we were, we went moved back to Winnipeg because we couldn't afford to buy a house in Toronto. And we were bouncing around from one church to another. And finally, there was a little church, Catholic church down the road from where we live. And Two of my best friends in Winnipeg were Catholics, and I'm sure they were praying for me. Um, but they never, you know, they twisted my arm or anything. And uh, I just thought, well, I'll just go and check out this, this Catholic church. And they had a kind of a watered-down RCIA, you know, right of Christian initiation of adults. And at Easter, uh, this is back in 1983, at Easter, you could join the church if you want. And so... So I joined the church and Grace was kind of shocked. Uh, anyway, she eventually joined the church too, four years later. And uh, mainly just so we could go to church together, you know, as a family, because we had two young kids. In them. Um, anyway, as soon as I joined my pastor, my priest, Father Michaels, who was a really good priest, put me in charge of Bible study for the church, you know, he knew, he knew that I had a master's in religious studies by then, and, and, you know, he knew I formerly was a Protestant, so he assumed I knew everything about the Bible. I'd, I'd never actually taken a Bible course, except the Old Testament course, when I was studying for my master's degree, but fortunately, the uh, diocese had its own Bible study program, which became a worldwide uh, Catholic Bible study program called the Journey uh, program, and okay. I, it was written by Archbishop Marcel Gervais. It was absolutely fantastic, and so that you know solidified me in Catholic teaching, and uh, I became the chairman of the parish council, running this big program called Renew for the Parish, and I was working so much for the for the parish that I was working at a full-time job in social services and I then I was doing almost full-time work in for the church and I started daydreaming about you know maybe I could use my master's of religious studies to work for a diocese somewhere maybe in, in evangelization um, anyway I noticed this little ad for uh, for a job as uh, director of the Catholic Adult Resource Center here in London. I applied for it and they hired me. And uh, so then I did 14 years of uh, adult religious education for the diocese. And 
in 2000 and actually 1999, I started feeling a, a calling to be a spiritual director. So I followed that calling, managed to get a doctor of ministry degree in spiritual direction, and then started my own practice in 2002. And um, I constantly get referred uh, marriage prep couples from the diocese, and and uh, which I love doing. And I love doing spiritual direction. I work mainly with clergy from all the different Christian denominations. Uh, which, you know, it's kind of suited to me because I know about the different denominations. And um, yeah, so um, that was kind of my, my journey. I've been doing that for the past 20 years, since 2002, and uh, really enjoying it and really, you know, feeling a call to be a writer too. So I started writing articles for our local newspaper that went to the London Free Press and mm -hmm. uh, I've written a couple of hundred articles for them. I'm kind of the unofficial spiritual director for the city of 400,000 people. So, All right. so it's been a, a real uh, journey. And, um, you know, I guess um, as far as uh, moving from Protestantism to Catholicism, and I don't mean any about it, of what I'm about to say is a put down in any way for our Protestant brothers and sisters. I, I sure. know a lot of Protestants. I work with Protestants. Yeah, same here. In spiritual direction. Uh, and, you know, there's many, many wonderful Protestants. There's many, many wonderful Catholics. Uh, you know, but th this is just my own experience. I mean, it. you know, when I really got into the Bible, I mean, uh, I started wondering where the, where the Bible came from, and you know, I, I mean, I finally realized, okay, it didn't just drop out of the sky. Uh, you know, it came through the church, and uh, so I thought, well, okay, uh, there was only one church originally, and uh, I realized that was the. The Catholic Church, although it wasn't called Roman Catholic until it became the state religion in, in 313, you know, and some people think that's kind of where the Catholic Church maybe got off track when it became the state religion. But maybe that had to happen because the Roman Empire was falling apart and, you know, people needed someone to trust and they trusted the bishops and, the, you know, the Catholic Church kind of held the whole thing together. Uh, and yeah, so I started to realize, okay, the original church, there was no historical break from now till Christ, you know, with the Catholic church. I mean, the, the Eastern church broke off, you know, and went its way. Um, and then there was a Protestant Re reformation, but there have been reformations throughout the church, uh, you know, the history. I mean, letting Gentiles into the church, uh, that was one stage, you know, in the early, I mean, it's in the book of Acts. And, and uh, you know, and then another stage was uh, becoming a state religion and then, you know, the Eastern church breaking off and then kind of a high point with Thomas Aquinas and, and you know, Francis of Assisi and then, Maybe the church became too rule governed, and you know maybe the Protestant Reformation was necessary. Uh, I mean, both sides were 
at fault in that, <laughs> you know. And um, then there was a Counter-Reformation and then Vatican I and Vatican II. And so there have been all kinds of, you know, internal reformations and purifications that the church has gone through, but there's been no historical break from the early church. And so, you know, Catholicism is, is four, four times as old as, as Protestantism. Uh, Protestantism started in 1517 with Martin Luther and, you know, nailing his 95 theses, his 95 complaints against the church to a church in Wittenberg. And that's how Protestantism started. There was a lot of political stuff going on. But, you know, I mean, Catholicism is kind of the mother church. It's like the trunk of the tree and the other denominations are the branches, you know? So, so yeah, so I always wanted to be part of mainstream Christianity and there's nothing more mainstream than Catholicism. I mean, um, I think it's the greatest institution in the world. I mean, it's got its problems like any church, uh, but you know, it's 2000 years old, it's uh, worldwide. Um, it somehow managed to maintain unity more or less. Um, and, you know, there's been lots of saints and its only purpose is to promote the gospel and it has about a billion members. So, you know, I felt very comfortable right from the start in the Catholic Church, there's room for everybody. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, um, I just think, uh, yeah, the Catholic Church decided back in the church council, the early church councils, what books were allowed into the New Testament. And, you know, then it defended and protected the books. And uh, it's always been doing that. So the Bible, the New Testament is really a Catholic document in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. what I started to find out was the New Testament is actually more Catholic than, than Protestant. Uh, there's stuff in there about Mary is, you know, blessed are you among women. And then there's, you know, Revelation chapter 12, the woman who appears in heaven with the crown of stars on her head. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, when Elizabeth says, uh, how is it the mother of my Lord has come to meet me? So Elizabeth was calling her the mother of God. And, you know, so there's, there's stuff in the New Testament and Christ, you know, said to Peter upon this church I will upon this rock I will build my church Peter means rock right um and you know then Peter of course did the human thing and you know Christ said that okay the Messiah is going to suffer and that upset Peter and you know Christ had to rebuke him uh even though he was kind of you could say the first pope I mean he was the first you know leader of the Catholic Church really but then, you know, I mean, after the resurrection, Christ meets the disciples on the shore and feeds them and talks to Peter and says, you know, okay, you denied me three times, you know, I mean, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, and you know, I love you. And Christ says, feed my sheep. I mean, Christ says that to him three times, feed my sheep. So all this stuff was very Catholic and very biblical. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, I really felt called by God to, you know, convert 
to the Catholic Church. And, and there were just dozens of things that were pointing in the same direction. I mean, ironically, in Toronto, when we were living in Toronto, my wife brought home a book one day called Christ Among Us. She didn't realize it was a Catholic catechism. And when we moved back to Winnipeg and we, I started this um, course with my church in Winnipeg, that was the book we were using for, for the, for, as our text for the course. <laughs> and like, there were just so many things that just came together. You know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's my story in a nutshell. Like I okay. could have said a lot of other stuff, but you know, sure. I mean, I, I think that I like, uh, Protestant creativity and you know the diversity but it you know it's also like and this was years ago I mean probably 20 years ago I, I read in the Encyclopedia of World Religions that there were 48,000 Protestant denominations and so you know I mean sometimes Protestants talk about Protestantism as this if it's a unified body you know and it doesn't have these 58 thousand or 48,000 divisions and you know they compare that to Catholicism but it's not like Protestantism is one united whole against another united whole called Catholicism uh, you know there's and, and there's Protestants who are pro-abortion who are against abortion who are pro-social justice against social justice I mean they could fight among themselves and you know, the Catholic Church has such a long history, it's easy to use it as a, as a target, because of course we've messed up, we're humans, and, you know, we've right. messed up many, many times, and we're repenting of that now. I mean, in Canada now, there's this horrible thing with the residential schools, you know, how we just right. took Native kids out of their homes, and we tried, to, we, I think the church thought it was doing them a favor at the time, you know, by trying to help them fit into white society but now we realize how destructive that was and yeah you know we always have a lot to repent of as as pope john paul ii said the church is always need in in, in need of reform absolutely no right. perfect church the catholic church is not a perfect church but you know i kind of take a degrees of truth approach where uh i mean you can look at truth from four four different ways one is but nothing is true. Okay, that's kind of the atheist approach. There's kind of the extreme liberal Protestant view, everything is true, you know, it's all the same. There's no, you know, degrees of truth. Or you can look at truth from a black and white perspective. We're, you know, we're the white, you're the black, and you know, we're good and you're bad, and you know, we have it all together and you don't, you're all going to hell. I mean, that was kind of before Vatican II, that was the approach of. Protestants towards Catholics and Catholics towards Protestants. I mean, fortunately, we smarten up and, you know, so, so I take a degrees of truth approach, which means that I believe there's more truth in Catholicism than in Protestantism. I believe there's more truth in Christianity than, say, in Judaism and, you know, in Islam and, and Buddhism, or I wouldn't be a Christian and I wouldn't be a Catholic. But, you know, with a degrees of truth approach, you can say, okay, there's degrees of truth in every all these traditions, and we can learn from them. Instead of seeing them as enemies, we can learn from each other. And so Protestants are learning from Catholics, Catholics are learning from Protestants. You know, it's much more healthy and humble, <laughs> you 
instead of arrogant, you know. Right. Again, our, our guest is Dr. Bruce Tellman, and I encourage you to visit his website over at Bruce BruceTellman.com. Uh, Dr. Bruce, um, I wanted to thank you for sharing your story. I wanted to talk about your the spiritual direction really quick because you mentioned you've been practicing yeah. since 2002. Yeah. So, what what exactly is spiritual direction, and how does how does that how does that help people and help them connect with God? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's very much like uh, psychological counseling in that um, it's client-centered and it's non-directive. So we're not telling people what to do in spiritual direction. We're trying to help them go deeper in their faith. So it's mostly active listening. The big difference with uh, psychological counseling, though, is that in spiritual direction, we, we can talk about God right from the get-go. I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, it's all about the person's spiritual life. It's like people have physical trainers, they have financial coaches, they have life coaches. Well, this is a, you know, Christian spirituality coach, basically. Uh, it's Christian counseling. Um, and again, it's not, you know, laying on somebody, my own religious viewpoints, it's trying to find out where they're coming from. Everybody approaches God differently and doing a lot of active listening and totally non-judgmental listening, uh, and just trying to figure out, okay, you know, what are some open-ended questions I can ask this person that will take them deeper on their spiritual journey? So the other big difference, you know, with psychological counseling is that the idea is that the true spiritual director here is the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I'm, I'm sort of like a midwife, you know. I'm a trained person who can help somebody give birth, you know, to a deeper faith. Uh, but I'm I'm not actually the person who's creating that deeper faith i mean it's, it's god the holy spirit right know? so yeah so that's kind of kind of it in a nutshell and uh, okay yeah um like i said i work i work mainly with clergy i have a baptist united church presbyterian uh reformed uh, catholic you know and yeah, it's fascinating i i really come to appreciate all those traditions even more. Uh, but I still, in spite of all the problems with the Catholic Church, I'm still, you know, committed to Catholicism. And, and this is really where I found my home. Right. And, yeah. So if anyone wants to learn more about it, again, visit website brucetolman.com. Now, in July, you released a new book, God's Ecstatic Love. I love the title, by the way. Yeah, yeah, so. Good. <laughs> why did you write god's ecstatic love what brought that along okay so this is the cover of the book and so the subtitle is um i don't know if you can see that but transform your life with a spiritual masterpiece yeah now the yeah. spiritual masterpiece is not my book okay the <laughs> spiritual masterpiece i'm referring to is saint francis de Sales' treatise on the love of god yeah. Which interestingly is considered by scholars to be right up there with, you know, uh, the imitation of Christ by Thomas Aquinas. It's right up there with the spiritual exercises of Ignatius of Loyola. It's right up there with the cloud of unknowing. It's it's a great mystical work, but hardly anybody knows about it. Partly because he wrote it. Saint Francis de Sales wrote another book called Introduction to the devout life which is like for kind of like for beginners in the right. spiritual life 
this is an advanced book. I think that's why it's not as well known because you know it is uh, in more in depth. It's it's really for people who are maybe a little more advanced in the faith. Um, my book is full of quotes from from the original treatise, and uh, it's packed full of scripture quotes because I love scripture. Uh, but it's really you know the purpose like. Um, Back in 1983, when I converted to Catholicism, I was also reading this book, this little book called How to Get Control of Your Time and Life. It was a time management book, and he said, you need lifelong goals. And I thought, well, what are my lifelong goals? You know, I thought, well, what did Christ say? He said, love God with all your heart and love others as you love yourself. And so I took those as my lifelong goals, and I thought, well, I need a mentor. I need somebody to tell me how to love God, you see. And so, so back then I discovered the treatise. I don't think I was ready for it at that point. Uh, you know, I was just kind of a new Catholic Christian. Uh, it wasn't until 2016 that I picked it up again and I started reading it. And I thought, you know, it was published in 1616. I, I picked it up exactly 400 years later. And a lot has happened in the last 400 years. I mean, there's yeah. uh, there's been modern science, there's been the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, there's been the Enlightenment, there's been two world wars, there's been biblical criticism, the historical critical approach to the Bible, there's been uh, Vatican II, there's been people who are spiritual but not religious, there's been the new atheists, you know? So I thought, right. hmm, the basics don't change, loving God and loving others and loving your true self, not your false self, your true self. Um, I thought maybe somebody should update this book by Francis de Sales. And, you know, God has given me the gift of writing and, and I was writing all these articles for the London Free Press. And I just thought maybe I could do an update of this book, you know? and, and just sort of take his, uh, the treatise is 12 mini books. And so I followed that same format. So my book has 12 mini books. They're kind of like chapters, you know? Okay. And so I took, I just followed the same format as him, quoted from the treatise. And then I just kind of developed on top of that, my knowledge of adult religious education, you know? So it's, it's kind of like a catechism and how to love God. That's what it's about. And, the reason I wrote it is because I think Christians need to do a better job of loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves, you know. Amen. This is like absolutely basic stuff. This is the greatest book by one of the greatest saints of the Catholic Church. I mean, he was a bishop and a doctor of the church. And this is absolutely reliable stuff. And, you know, everything else in Christianity is commentary on those two great commandments by Christ, love God with all your heart, and love others as you love yourself. So this is the greatest book by the one of the great saints of the church on the greatest topic. So, you know, this is, um, we all need to become better at this. I mean, I think people get turned off with Christianity because we're not living the faith enough, you know? And so my hope is church renewal and, um, some churches have, I just started sending out free digital copies to churches and some churches 
said, hey, this is really good. Let's, you know, and I said, you can pass it on to your people in your con congregation. I mean, my, my goal here is just to help people master the most important life skill of all, which is loving God. And also, you can't love God without loving others. You know, so social justice is right. a, a lot of the book is about social justice. And, right. you know, we need that. And part of the reason I became Catholic, too, was because the Catholic Church is very balanced. I mean, there's an emphasis on evangelization and on social justice, you know, the preferential, preferential option for the poor, mm -hmm. you know, is about social justice. And the Catholics approach, Catholic approach to the Bible is very well balanced. The Bible is the inspired word of God. But so it's not just another book, like some liberal Protestants, like Marcus Borg would say, you know, we should just approach it like another book. It's not just another book, it's the inspired word of God, but it's not a history and science textbook. I mean, it's, you know, there's scientific and historical er errors in there, and it, it's, it's inerrant on faith and morals, but it's not inerrant on science and history. And, you know, there's different genres. There's, poet there's poetry, there's legends, there's history, there's apocryphal writing, there's letters, you know, there's uh, wisdom literature, all these different types of literature in the Bible. And, you know, the Catholic Church recognized that, it, you know, I mean, if it talks about in the Psalms about trees clapping their hands or rivers shouting for joy, I mean, that's not talking not, literally, right? <laughs> you don't take it literally, you know, I mean, uh, so, I mean, you know, I mean, there's also literal stuff in there, but and historical stuff, but, you know, it's important to have a balanced approach to God. So the Bible is not just another book on the one hand. On the other hand, it's not a science and history text. It's a faith and morals text. And, you know, so you need to keep that balance because you can think that everything in the Bible is totally inerrant. And that's where you get into creationism and, you know, uh, stuff like that you can be you can become against the theory of evolution i mean evolution is no problem for catholics as long as you don't leave god out of the picture and that's where people like k.r de chardin you know the great jesuit paleontologist comes in i mean uh you know we come from god i mean there's a whole history of the development of the universe and we're part of that and you know we go all the way back to god it's not like we came from monkeys you know, where do the monkeys come from? Well, they came from, you know, uh, other beings and they came from other beings and it goes all the way back to God, ultimately. So, um, anyway, maybe this is too intellectual for some people, but... Uh, no, it's it's yeah. fine. But in regards to your book, what are some ways that we can love God, basically? What, what are some things we can do to le learn to love God more? Right, right, okay. So, um, you know, a couple of the chapters, one is about uh, one is about the difference between complacence and benevolence. By complacence, the cells doesn't mean what we think of complacence as kind of indifference. It means resting in God. That's what okay. the cells meant, resting in God. And the more you rest in God, the more you want to get out there and spread the word, you know. And so that's benevolence. That's acting for God. So he talks a lot about complacence and benevolence. I mean, complacence is like a child at, at its mother's breast, you know, just drinking milk. And it's like, 
you know, when we're resting in God, we're kind of mainlining truth, we're mainlining God, we're mainlining the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, and then benevolence, we need to get out there and do something with it because faith without works, as the book of James says, is dead. You know, we need to show our faith by our works. Uh, so that's another balance in the Catholic Church is between faith and works. You need both, you know, one, not one or, or the other. Um, and yeah, so um, what was your question again? Sorry, I'm kind of rambling oh, what, what, on. No, you're fine. Um, what, what are some ways that we could learn to love God or right. some ways, some ways we could love God? Right, right. So DeSalle's also talks about the difference between meditation and contemplation. I mean, meditation is, uh, you know, where you're actively using your mind to, you know, mull over the scriptures, do Lectio Divina, you know, chew the scriptures kind of and digest them. Uh, contemplation is infused uh, by God and, you know, it's where God is really taking over. And you can't make that happen, but you can prepare the soil. You can't make it rain, but you can prepare the soil by really getting into the sacraments, getting into the Bible, you know, praying a lot, you know, attending ch church and Bible study groups, prayer groups. Uh, you can prepare the soil for contemplation. So then, uh, con so um, uh, meditation is the mother and, and contemplation is the daughter. You know, and uh, he also makes an important distinction between uh, obeying God through God's commandments versus obeying God through God's counsels or obeying God through God's inspirations. Uh, the commandments are non-negotiable. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, everything else is commentary and love others as you love yourself. Um, counsels are more dependent upon your circumstances like a council would be christ telling the rich young man go and sell everything you you have uh and follow me you see well that can apply to that young rich young man because that was his main major stumbling stumbling block was his riches you know, right. that's what was getting in the way of him following christ uh, but that wouldn't apply to, say, a single mother who has three kids and she's barely scraping by. I mean, Christ is not calling her to sell everything and give it to the poor. She's already poor. You know, she's struggling. Yeah. I mean, just to take care of her kids. So her calling is to be a, a good mother and take care of her kids. And that means being able to feed them and clothe them and house them and, you know, pay for the bills and so on. So, uh in that case, that counsel would not apply to a single mother. Uh, you know, and then there's inspirations, obeying God's inspirations. And God really intervenes in the world all the time. But God intervenes internally in us through our conscience. And God intervenes by drawing us, not by driving us. Okay. So if you're feeling driven, it's usually your ego that's at work. And you're probably buying into cultural values of money and fame, uh, you know, but that's not how God works. God works by drawing us, by showing us, you know, how much more fulfilled we could be if we just say God into God's word more or God into the sacraments more, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's an important distinction I try to make all the time in, in spiritual direction is are, are you being drawn to this or are you being driven to this? Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. The Holy yeah. Spirit 
works by luring us basically into more fulfillment, integrity, and so on, you know, into more justice, peace, kindness, patience, and so on. And it's interesting because Cassell uh, starts off the book, uh, the first uh, mini book is book one, and, and it's called The Science of Love, you see. And he says that we're naturally drawn to go to Every human being is naturally drawn to the good. You know, we want good things for ourselves. But what's really good for us is patience, kindness, peace, love, joy, not fame and, and riches. And so it's these virtues that are the good. That's, that's the really good. And But God is all these virtues. And so what we're really drawn towards is God, whether we acknowledge it or not. What we want is absolute love, kindness, peace, patience, joy, mercy, and so on. See, so what everybody really wants, yeah. the spell says in the first book, is God, and there's really no denying that. You know, I mean, uh, I think you know there there are atheists who are trying to be just and loving people, and you know they're not all bad, and I think that's Christ working in them, whether they acknowledge it or not. You know, they just need to wake up to that this is what's happening. God is mm -hmm. calling me to be a just rational person you know but a god who's calling me i mean i'm not doing this all by myself and we all need god we all want god and that's what life is really all about it's yeah. about god and you know Amen. learning to love god and that's what my attempt to update the cells treatise is all about and you know there's there's been a lot of positive feedback from other christians catholics and uh Great. the book was edited by seven clergy persons from six different denominations oh wow yeah these are people who i'm working with or they're friends of mine one was uh the most important was was uh james schmeisinger he's uh, a retired uh uh rector of a, of a catholic seminary uh so he went through it in detail and you know I thought when I wrote it, I should I should have run it by some clergy people, and so I tried to write it so that it's it's acceptable to Protestants as well as Catholics. And uh, like I said, it's kind of a catechism on how to love God, the most important life skill there is. Yeah. yeah. So, where can our listeners and viewers uh, get the book? Well, at Barnes and Noble or Amazon or you know any major bookseller. It may not be in your local bookstore, but, you know, you can go online and order it and find it, you know, on any major bookseller online. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just hope that it helps people to uh, renew their faith and renew the church. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's, sure. it's, been a, it's been a labor of love. It started off with just jotting down notes a few hours a week, you know, and I, I eventually wrote 330 pages wow. of notes. Then I narrowed that down to 75 pages, and then I narrowed that down to an 18-page outline. And, uh, you know, then started working out from there, and, you know. But, yeah, it's been a labor of love. It's been, uh, you know. So I, I just thank you so much for inviting me, William. I mean. That's it, my pleasure. It's, just, it's such a pleasure to just get out and talk about this book you know and, and yeah and also to talk about the catholic faith and you know 
we have our shortcomings, of course. Uh, like any church, there's no perfect church out there. Uh, we're all human. We're all trying to do our best. And, you know, but yeah, I've never regretted joining the Catholic Church. And, you know, it just yeah. gets deeper and deeper. Right. Now, if, our, if any of our listeners have any questions, how can they get a hold of you? Okay, so they can email me at, uh, well, if you go to my website, you know, www.brucetolman.com, and I am a tall man, so it's just like it sounds, uh, uh, brucetolman.com, and, you know, my email's there, and my, you know, they can phone me, actually, if they want, uh, and uh, we just moved, so I need to update my physical address where we live. But uh, yeah, I, I welcome questions or insights, you know, comments on the book. Uh, yeah, well, that's welcome. There, there's a book page within my website. Uh, yeah. I've actually published four books. Three of them are, one was published by Paulus Press. That was my first book, Archetypes for Spiritual Direction, um, which is about Jungian archetypes and, and how you might do spiritual direction if you're working out of these young and archetypes. And then the second one is called Finding Secrets. It's how to develop a spiritual direction practice from beginning to full-time employment. That's been kind of a bestseller in the field of spiritual direction. I think about half of the spiritual directors in the world are read that one. Uh, and then the third one is called um, uh, A Thousand Brief Spiritual Lessons. It's for people who are overworked you know, over-informed, overwhelmed by modern culture. So it's just quotes from, you know, just, it's just brief lessons, a thousand brief lessons meant to help people. To cope.